Uh, we're so glad that you're here today, glad that you came to be a part of the community that we are at Family Life Church, and really want to encourage you to, our life groups are up and running right now. If you haven't been able to be part of one of our life groups, check out the, uh, the information in your bulletin, get connected into one of the life groups. It's hope through community, and, and we are, we're stronger when we're in community with one another, and so I just really encourage you in that, uh, to, to take that opportunity and check it out. But I wanted to get into my message this morning. We're going to be uh, closing out the uh, series that we've been in called Dangerous Prayers. So grateful for uh, the opportunity that Pastor Tyler had last week to preach while I was out for the weekend. And I heard a lot of great feedback from people who were said that, you know, they just felt so challenged by this idea of surrendering their kids into God's hands and realizing that the plans he has for them are so much bigger than the plans that they have for them. But this dangerous prayer that I want to talk to you about today is probably not one that you pray very regularly. And, and it's a really important prayer. And, and, you know, we've talked about a number of them along the way that it's like, we know better than to pray for peace, right? You don't pray, God, give me peace. You don't say, oh, you don't pray for patience, right? You, you know better than to do that. But we've kind of looked at some of those prayers that we do pray. God, would you bless me? God, would you provide, you know, those things. And when it's like, maybe that's going to mean something different to God than it does to you. But today, this prayer is vastly different. And it's something that needs to be on our hearts and, and in our minds constantly. And this prayer, and we're going to go to Acts chapter 4 in just a second. But I wanted to give you a background to this prayer before we jump into it. We're looking at the early church here. And the early church was facing some opposition because even though Jesus had done some incredible things, there were uh, uh, the religious elite of that day, the Sanhedrin, the high Jewish council, the overseers of the law and the synagogue, they did not want these men preaching the name of Jesus. And so these two men, Peter and John, are brought in before this council, and they're like, what are you doing? You're preaching the name of Jesus. You need to stop talking about Jesus. You can no longer minister according to the name of Jesus. You can't do miracles by the name of Jesus. And they tell them all these things. You can't do this. And they threaten them. We're going to throw you in jail. You're going to get stoned. You are going to be harmed if you continue to do this. Now, in the background, you can read this on, on your own time later. The Sanhedrin, they knew that they, their hands were kind of tied because they're like, listen, there's real things happening and the people believe it and we'll start a riot if we go after these guys. But Peter and John go back. They're released from prison. They go back to where all the other believers are located and they tell them, listen, the Sanhedrin has told us we're going to be in big trouble if we keep talking about Jesus. And this is the prayer that they prayed in that moment. And it's so important for us. So let, let's just dive right into this. In, in Acts chapter 4, verses 29 through 31, this is their prayer. O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonder, wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. Think about the scenario that they're in right now. They are being told, you can't speak the name of Jesus anymore. Have, have any of you ever been in a place, maybe it was at work, among family members, friends, neighbors, where anybody said, you know, I don't really want to hear about that Jesus stuff right now. You ever been there before? Yeah, it happens. In fact, uh, you know, I, I share this a lot. I was in construction for 10 years before I became a pastor. They always said to us, it, you can talk about anything you want on the job site, just don't bring up religion or politics. 
And then I would listen to some of the things those guys talked about. And let me tell you, they needed Jesus. I was like, I'm going to talk about Jesus. I'm telling you, they, they need Jesus. But this idea of, of suppressing the message of Jesus is not a new one. And it started all the way back in the, the beginning of the, the early church that they were told, do not speak the name of Jesus. And, and it, it continues to escalate. And we're at a point in time in our lives where it's really starting to resurge again. You know, we went through a, a, a series, probably even more so us as a Christian society, an American Christian society, where... It was okay to be Christian. In fact, most people, as, as early as 15 years ago, 80 to 90% of Americans identified as being Christian. That number is now below 65% in America today. We are in a post-Christian culture where the ideas of Christianity are being suppressed. And more and more again, I don't know, maybe you see this yourself, we're being told, stop preaching the name of Jesus. Stop talking about Jesus. Don't bring it up at family functions. Don't bring it up in your workplace. Don't bring it up among friends. Don't bring it up. Stop preaching the name of Jesus. It's the same thing these guys faced. So I want to ask you, do you think that the message of Jesus is being suppressed today? Is it being pushed down today? What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. And so for us, that creates a really important um, fork in the road in which we either have to make the decision to go quietly and stop making waves or start to make some bold prayers, some dangerous prayers in which we say, God, I want to be bold for you. I want you to make me bold. And there are a couple areas here that I see within our culture that are really, truly being suppressed. And this is why Christianity has really been hammered so hard. But the three that I would say are, first of all, morality. Morality has gone out the window. The idea of morality used to be tied to universal moral absolutes. This idea that there are things bigger than us that we have to agree upon. Uh, for a long time, especially as Americans, it was the Bible. We all agreed that the Bible was the guiding foundation. And listen, I know this is, doesn't fit a liberal agenda today, but believe it or not, when schools were started, they were taught the Bible because it was the fulcrum of our, our government and society. We're going to be a successful society if we be, remain godly. And now we're trying to take it out. We're saying, no, it doesn't belong in schools. It shouldn't be taught. If you're a teacher or work in schools in any way, you can't say the name of Jesus. But morality has gone out the window because instead of it being a universal moral, we've reduced it to what you think is right and what I think is right. And maybe it's right for you, but it's wrong for me. And maybe it's right for me, but it's wrong for you. And that's okay because I'm going to do what's right for me and you do what's right for you. And we'll just agree on that. That's what morality has become. Second is integrity. Integrity becomes really hard because that's very closely connected with morality. If your moral is not guided by any principle except that which you choose, it remains really easy to be a person of integrity. I just do what I think is right. You do what you think is right. We all do what we think is best. And how many of you realize that sometimes people doing what they think is best isn't what's doing what's best? Because we have to be guided by a principle. Last is reality. You know, I don't think that any of us saw this coming. And I, I think if you would go back and talk to yourself 10 years ago and, and try to convince yourself that there was a time coming where a number of people in our culture would stop believing that there is such a thing as a biological gender, you'd be like, wait, what? How are they going to get about? That doesn't even make sense. But that is the level of reality that we have abandoned. And you can think anything you want about yourself. 
You can say, I'm this, I identify as that, I identify as this, I I believe I'm this, I believe I'm that. And none of it has to be tied to reality. It just has to be what you believe it to be. These are the things that have been suppressed in our culture, and it shouldn't surprise us that as they've been suppressed, the message of Jesus has also been suppressed. And I I don't get it. I really don't. I mean, why is it okay to be Muslim or Buddhist, or atheist, or agnostic? Why is it okay for any of those things, but you can't be a Christian? I'll tell you why. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And that name scares people. Nobody's ever been set free by Muhammad. Nobody's ever been set free by Buddha. Nobody's ever been set free by believing in the stars, and the sun, and the moon, or saying there's no such thing as God. People's lives have been flipped upside down, transformed, and changed by the name of Jesus. And that scares people. It scares people. You know, I came across this uh, years ago, actually. I think I saw it on a meme on Facebook. So I had to find out where it actually came from. But it is actually a quote from a book called Those Who Remain. It's a fictional book. Um, Those Who Remain by G. Michael Hoff, and he writes this. Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men, and weak men create hard times. It's this cycle that he looks at that he sees, you know, the hardness of the things that we go through, it makes us strong. And because of that strength, we work to make things good. But as we've seen so many times, once, once things get good, we get a little lazy, get a little comfortable. We sit back and we're like, eh, it's okay. And because of that, we grow weak. And in that weakness, begin to invite hard times back into our presence. And I look at where we're at in our world today, and I don't know if you agree with me, but I would say that we are on the precipice of hard times because we became weak. I don't think that you're going to go home this afternoon and start scrolling through Facebook and see one of your friends who's anti-God or anti-religion suddenly post, I think I had it all wrong and Christianity is probably a good thing. I don't think you're going to turn on a local news media and have them make a report that they believe suddenly in Christianity. That's not going to happen. If anything, I think that the hatred towards Christianity is probably going to get more and more severe. In fact, the Bible tells us it's going to become more and more severe. And so what do we do? We pray a dangerous prayer. What do we do? We get on our knees and we pray a dangerous prayer that takes us out of our comfort zones. And and listen, these guys were facing the same things that we fear today. In fact, they're probably facing worse because those guys literally could be stoned and killed for going against the Jewish law. And I get it. I don't say this flippantly because I know maybe some of you have been told you'll lose your job if you don't stop talking about Jesus or you won't be invited to family events anymore. Or you'll lose this friend. You know, we've become so divided and divisive that it's like, well, if I don't agree with that person, I just won't have anything to do with them. Forget it. I'll just go join this group and they'll be a part of that group. And this group over here and that group over there. We'll just find whatever group is going to fit that we all agree on things together and then we'll say everybody else is stupid. It's called Facebook. (laughs) Later on, Paul writes a letter to Timothy and he's telling him because because the beginning of the early church was not easy. It It didn't just happen. I think it's so important for us to look back in that history and understand that God did miraculous things, but the explosion of the church to become what we know it today did not just happen. 
It took strong men and women of faith and courage to make it happen. It took strong men and women of faith to have enough boldness to say, I don't care what anybody else tells me, I'm going to speak the name of Jesus. Now, I want to be very clear here. There's a big difference between being bold for Jesus and being a jerk for Jesus. Okay? Saying, I want to be bold, does not give you a license to be a jerk for Jesus. All right? You want to be bold for him in the way that you stand out and you look different, you seem different, you appear different, you speak differently than other people would, but you're not going to use it as, an, as a means to become combative and start to go after other people or to tear others down. That's not Christ-like. I, there's a certain young man that I know of who uh, earlier this year when the school year was about to start, he was under the assumption that they were told you can't wear Christian apparel to school anymore. And so I was speaking with this young man, and he said, I'm going to wear uh, Christian t-shirts to school every day. And I was like, okay, that's good. Why do you want to do that? He said, so when the principal tells me I can't, I can say, kiss my butt. <laughs> All right. I was like, Roman, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Gets that from his mother. <clears throat> There's a difference between being bold for Jesus and being a jerk for Jesus. And being a jerk for Jesus doesn't change lives. But running away from people telling you to be quiet is the complete opposite of boldness. And this, this is what Peter or Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1. He says, Timothy, fan into flame the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And then he says this later on in chapter 4. Because a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for Facebook groups or teachers who will tell them whatever their itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase YouTube or after myths. Sorry, Chris Massey translation. He said, this is going to happen. It's going to happen, church. It was predicted literally like 1,948 years ago. This is going to happen. But what remains to be seen is how the church is going to respond. The early church, they were told, stop speaking the name of Jesus. And listen, they were not a worldwide movement at this point. In fact, if you read in the book of Acts, it tells us an estimated 500 people were following Jesus at this point. But you know what they did? They got behind closed doors and they got down on their hands and knees and they looked each other in the eye and said, you know what, we might pay a price for this, but Jesus paid a price for us. And so we can't hide from this. We can't run from this. The only thing we can do is pray, God, Will you make us bold for you? 
God, will you make us bold for you? And in that moment, what we read about is that the Holy Spirit comes into the room and the room begins to shake, filled with the power of the presence of Almighty God. And it says that they went out of that room and they began to preach the gospel of Jesus with boldness. Now, I know maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, well, I'm off the hook. I'm not a preacher. I don't have to preach. Listen, that word preach there literally just means to speak. They went out and they spoke the name of Jesus. Why does that matter? Because that was exactly what they were told not to do. Don't speak that name anymore. And it says, no, by the boldness of the power of the Holy Spirit, we're going to go speak that name. And then Paul says to Timothy, fan that flame, young man. Fan that flame. God gave you a gift. And that gift was not to be fearful or timid. Start praying some dangerous prayers, young man. Start praying some dangerous prayers, young woman. I don't doubt for a second that there's hardly anybody in this room that woke up this morning in the midst of your prayers for your niece's nephew's ankle and your neighbor's dog that ran away that you stopped and said to yourself, God, and by the way, make me bold. We're so busy. We're interceding for this need and that person's sick and this person needs direction and that family's hurting and this marriage is in trouble and that kid's in... And and I'm not saying that those things don't matter, but we've become so focused on this idea of intercession for others that we've lost this need to pray for self. Holy Spirit, come upon me and make me bold. Make me bold. I don't say that flippantly. I realize that for some people, your job hinges on the fact that if you were too bold, you'd lose your job. I'm not telling you, you know, I think especially of of our teachers here in the room, I'm not telling you to go into school tomorrow and write that today's lessons plan is the gospel of Mark. And, you know, I guarantee you'll be fired that day. You know, one of the things that I think of when I talk about being bold is, and you probably have ever done this, you know, you you make like a document on your computer. There's this neat little button that you just press and you can make anything in there bold. And why do you do that? To make it stand out, right? So that when you're looking at all those words on the page and you're thinking to yourself, probably not everybody's going to read all of this, but if I click just this little button right here, they will focus on this. That will bring their eyes to this because it's bold. Can I encourage you? That's the kind of boldness that God speaks for us in our lives. God's like, I'm not trying to to make you some combative person that you're like, you're going to go home tonight. My lesson plan for tomorrow is to teach on Jesus and forgiveness and salvation. But to stand up and say, God, make me bold so that when people see me, they see you. That the love of Jesus flows out of me in every single thing that I do. That I look different to them. That they begin to hunger for the difference inside of me. That I don't run away from the fight anymore of being told, you got to stop talking about Jesus. But instead, that I would get down on my hands and knees and say, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you make me bold? Church, I don't think our opposition is going to get better. I think it's going to take a church that's willing to get down on their hands and knees and pray for boldness. I think we're going to face opposition. I don't think if you're my age or younger, it's out of the realm of possibility that in your lifetime, you will see Christians thrown in jail in America. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility anymore. I did 20 years ago when I was 20. I don't think so anymore. So what do we do? Do we say, oh, you know what? We, we, that's not a fight that we should fight. We need to, we need, 
Or do we get down on our hands and knees and say, God, make me bold. Make me bold. And I want to ask you if you'd be willing to join me in this dangerous prayer. Because we have a community and you have a family. You have friends. You have co-workers. And they need Jesus. They need a bold witness for Jesus. Not a jerk for Jesus, but somebody who is unashamed of the gospel, as Romans 1.16 says, because it is the power of God unto salvation. So fan the flame. Listen, God already imparted part of Himself into you. He gave you His Holy Spirit. And in the midst of surviving each day, God, get me through this moment. God, help me with my kids. God, help me with my job. God, help my neighbor. God, help my mom. God, help my sister, my brother. God, this. God, forgive me. All of these things. Somewhere in there, a prayer needs to arise from within us that says, Holy Spirit, would you make me bold? Would you make me bold? Because there's a generation that needs to know you that will not hear if you don't speak it through me. I'm not going to wait for somebody else to get bold. God, make me bold. I'm not going to wait for my pastor to get bold. God, make me bold. I'm not going to wait for my spouse to get bold. God, make me bold. I'm not going to wait for my parents to get bold. God, make me bold. Because the world needs to hear that Jesus loves them and he died to save them. Church, that is what God has called us to. It's the most dangerous prayer you'll ever pray. It's going to put you on a different life path than that prayer for patience and peace, for success or whatever else we might pray for. But if we don't begin to pray it, and if we don't begin to get a hold of that same boldness that the early church had, I don't know what's in store for us. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Will you pray with me? God, I thank you so much for the bold men and women of God who have made a difference in history. That when we look back on history, the, those who changed the world were not those who were quiet, but it were those who said, I want to be different for the glory of God. God, I thank you that for every one of us in this room, that at somewhere in our lives, there was somebody bold enough to tell us about Jesus. There was somebody who was bold enough to go out of their comfort zone. Maybe it was to invite us to church or maybe to invite a family member of ours to church or to teach a class or, or to do whatever, to do something, God, that would display the boldness of your character inside of them. And God, I pray that you would just begin to stir in our hearts for every man, woman, and child in this room that we have got to be bold for you. That we have got to be a people who stand out to display your character, your love, your kindness, your mercy, to live as people of righteousness who see the teachings of Jesus and say, I want to be more like him. God, help us to preach the gospel without even using words. Direct us, Lord, in our steps. 
As we're in prayer this morning, I want to ask you to do something that I don't normally do on a Sunday. I feel like this is kind of the means that God had given to me through this. If you're here this morning and you would say, it is my prayer that God would make me bold, that he would fill me with his Holy Spirit and give me boldness. I want to ask you to stand and to say, that's my declaration. I choose that. That's who I want to be. That's what I want to be. I want to be bold for Jesus. I want to be bold for Jesus. And we're going to pray this together in just a moment. And listen, we read in the early church that it says that the the power of the Holy Spirit came on that room. And it's not about you reading books about how to be more bold or just pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone. I want to pray the power of the Holy Spirit on you for boldness. But I want you to join me in that prayer and say, God, I want that. I receive that. I make that my prayer. God, would you make me bold? And so let's pray this together. Because your friends and neighbors, your family members, your coworkers, they need a bold you. The world that is going to the wayside, it needs a bold you. And God wants to fill you with that power. So Lord Jesus, right now I just pray that you would just move mightily upon your people. God, that you would direct us in all of our ways and that by the power of your Holy Spirit, that you would begin to move mountains in our lives. God, I pray that you would fan the flame inside of us, that deposit of your Holy Spirit that you have given to us to safeguard. Lord, would you awaken it? Would you awaken boldness in your people, God? Would you awaken boldness that overthrows fear and timidity? Would you awaken boldness that goes against the customs of cultural norms and what's acceptable? God, would you make us bold for you, filling us with your love, with your power, with your mercy, God, as we would be instruments of your glory. God, send us out into the world around us to our family members, to our friends, to our neighbors, to our co-workers, to our community, empowered by the Holy Spirit to be bold for your namesake. God, we're living in a world where we're being told repeatedly, stop speaking the name of Jesus. Would you make us bold? Would you make us bold, God, to preach the name of Jesus, even if they tell us to stop, even if they say they'll harm us, if it'll cost us, if we'll lose something. Lord, would you make us bold enough to preach the name above all names, that name that causes people to fear because it's the real power of Almighty God that changes hearts and lives. God, fill your people with boldness. Fill us, God. We need you. Shake our hearts and our lives, God. Shake us up off of the things that we are so constantly focused on and make us bold for you. God, there's a generation that needs to know you and you're calling us. You're sending us. Use the boldness that you desire to plant in our hearts so that people can be saved. Build your church. Build your church, God, that the gates of hell would not prevail against it. Give us boldness, Lord. May we give you glory as we live in boldness, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, go into your mission field. Be bold for a waiter or waitress this afternoon. Be bold for a family member, a coworker this week. Be bold for Jesus. And don't be a jerk. If somebody says, stop telling the name of Jesus, but love them and let God work in and through you. Our prayer team will be up here and would love to meet with you if you need prayer this morning. But go into the world and preach the gospel and make disciples, teaching them everything that Jesus has taught you because he's with you. Lord bless you.